check out this listening guide. We're going to walk through this together. And over the next four weeks, we're going to take a look at what does the Bible say about how do we buy up the opportunities and what should we focus on through the different decades of our lives. And as you might imagine, each of these decades that we're going to look at brings goals, challenges, and there's some heroes in these decades that we can read about. There's some dangers, and so we're going to walk through some of those things. And here's where we're headed. Today we're looking at laying the foundation. You notice on your bulletin, there's really this picture showing the, the, the process here of the decades. And so you've got at the bottom this, this man sitting there. He's a younger man, and he is studying. Okay, and that's we're going to be looking at this today. How your 20s are really for training. Those are the, the, twi- the training years. And then off to the right, you see a guy, he's building. And he's lining things up, laying the, you know, the foundation is built. He's standing on the foundation of, of the 20s. And now he's building a life. That's the 30s. Now, up the steps there, up the ladder, you see this guy walking across the fire. And you see the sparks throwing What's the fire? That's the 40s. The 40s is those years where you're just trying to endure through them because if you're in your 40s, uh, there's, a, there's a bunch of things that you're, you're facing. There's oftentimes, if, if you're married, then marital satisfaction is at an all-time low in the 40s because you're parenting possibly teenagers, your career is stressful, there's a lot of people asking for um, your time and attention, and you have no more resources than you had in the past. And so... A lot's being asked of you with limited resources. And so um, th- these are the, the 40s are the fire walking years where you're walking through the fires and you're trying to endure. The key idea there is enduring through the 40s. And then at the top, this guy, he is pouring it out. Okay, this is the 50s and beyond. 50s, 60s, 70s is a season to really be pouring out and leading the kingdom charge to help the church and help God's people accomplishing what he wants done in the world. And so, you know, that's also a season of life, the 50s and beyond, where uh, people often move into retirement. They finish up their careers. My dad, he's getting ready to retire in a few years, and he's he's been in ministry as long as I can remember. And it's interesting listening to him and what he's planning to do. And he's, he's going to, he's, you know, it, it doesn't sound like he's going to slow down all that much when it comes to ministry, you know. And so... But pouring out, that's the idea that we're going to look at. So today, though, I want to look at the, the 20s. And I'm going to refer to this as the training decade often. So why, why should you train in your 20s? The first reason is this. The first reason is that life will become more complex. Life gets busier and busier as you just move through college, even. If, you, if you're in college and you're in your early 20s, you know, it gets busier through each year of college. But after you graduate you ain't seen nothing yet. It's going to get so much more complex for you. Your discretionary time is going to shrink down dramatically. It just begins to evaporate. Just ask people that are in their 30s, 40s. That time you used to be able to play with, it's going to shrink down. Now, you, you may be very, very busy if you're pulling several classes. Maybe you've loaded up two majors and you're working. not saying that you're not busy now. But life is going to become more and more complex. Because what you end up doing is you end up spending, you know, if you finish up college, if you're in college and you finish that, or you finish even high school and you move into the working world, now you spend from, you know, 6 a.m. to 7 a.m. 
all the way to 6 p.m. working on a job. Then you go home and you sit down for a moment. Then you realize, I got to do laundry. I got to iron clothes for tomorrow. I got to get ready to, to do my job tomorrow. In college, I mean, I had, I'd have a class for maybe an hour or two, and then I get a break. <laughs> and then I get to go eat. <laughs> I get to go play. I get to go do something with my friends. I get breaks throughout the day. After college, at, at night, you actually go to sleep. You want to sleep because you need rest. Now, some people in college, they plan all their classes in the afternoon so that they can play all night and, and, and sleep in as long as they want, play video games, all of that. You know, but again, you're going to have to learn to sleep at night, get real rest, get refreshed. Money has to be mastered. You have to learn, how do I live within my means? You have to pay for things. Sharing Christ is, is much different after college. When you're in college, you're in this kind of, and depending on where you go to school, if you go to Cal Baptist, Christian college like that, you know, you can share Christ. There's a supportive environment around you. It's going to be much, much more difficult and harder for you to meet people and engage with people in a way that makes sense. And, and, and so intentionality is going to be required in meeting non-Christians, sharing the gospel with them. It's also going to be required when it comes to just making friends and keeping friends. You have to be really intentional to, to build relationships. Teamwork is necessary. The spiritual context just changes. Things move differently in a church life than they do in a college ministry setting or even a youth ministry setting. Just It looks very different. The context of a church community is far more complex. It's different than you know, when you're interacting with people in just your stage of life. The church community is made up of different decades and stages of life. Learning in life, it after college, can be much more painful because it's not like you can just you know, screw up on a test and retake the course. When it comes to life, if you if you mess up on enough things, you actually lose a lot of things that are precious. You lose a job, you lose a family. There's things that there's there's the stakes get higher and higher, and so and there's things like debt, going into debt, and and trying to figure out how do I navigate through all this. So during my college years, my parents they were handling a lot of my core responsibilities. They would help with the bills that I couldn't do. They would they would send me a card with some extra cash and, and or hey, check your bank account. We put something in there for you. Thank goodness. I, w- I had eaten all my food at Del Taco or all my money away at Del Taco. They, they'd restock for me what I ate away. They would check on me when I was sick. Uh, you know, I had mommy calling. And, uh, you know, my mom doesn't do that <laughs> as much anymore. <laughs> They would remind me, hey, did you fill out that paperwork because the deadline's coming? This is really important, Josh. There was someone there guiding me through that process. But through the 20s, those were the years where I learned to take more and more responsibility upon myself for my own life and become an independent adult. And I'm learning through my 20s about the complexity of decisions, of problem solving, of money management, of relating to people. Like, how do I relate to a boss? How do I relate to friends? All of these different things. Look at this encouragement found in Proverbs chapter 16, verse 2. It reads that in 22, Good sense, it says, is a fountain of life to him who has it. If you have good sense, this word good sense, the word sekel, it means, the, the Hebrew word is sekel for good sense. It implies intelligence. 
Okay? It's, it's, I, can, I carefully consider the outcome and the consequences before I do something. Okay? I'm, I'm, I'm thinking through these issues. I have good sense. Well, that's what we're aiming to, to get. Because life becomes more complex, you through your 20s need to um, develop careful consideration about your choices. You need to understand how life really works. That's a fountain of life to him who has it. But, it says, the instruction of fools is folly. Meaning, as life grows more complex, the learning will come one of two ways. You're either going to learn through gathering information, getting input from others, and, and developing good sense, or your teacher is going to be the pain that life brings. Instruction comes, you know, it says, the instruction of fools is folly. Basically, learning will come, but if not through the training, that it will come through the pain, the consequences of our choices, of having my own way in life. If I'm committed to just doing life my own way, apart from developing God's wisdom and, and good sense, I'm going to learn, but it's going to come in a painful, painful way. There's going to be scars. And so as our lives grow more complex, we want to pay attention to people who are a little further ahead of us. And we're going to look at, how, how do I grow through these years? Now, if you don't, if you don't learn and train in your 20s, then what happens is we stumble through our 30s, 40s, 50s, and beyond. We'll stumble through those years. So these are the training years. Another reason to train in our 20s is this. Zeal is not enough. Zeal is not enough. You might be making choices that you're excited to you know, decide upon. Who, who am I going to date? Who am I going to marry? You're making these major choices and you're so excited to make, what am I going to do with my life? What kind of a career am I going to have? Some people are just so excited with the choices. They're zealous. And so they start launching into things without asking for wise input. And so we need more than just zeal. So guys, the gal that you're dating, she might be Spider Woman. She might be Spider Woman. So you want to get some input before she sucks the life out of you. Get some input. Ask some people who can tell you a little bit more about who she is, maybe the patterns that, that, you're, that you're observing or they're observing in your relationship. Get some input. Gals, the guys that you may be eager to date, you know, get some advice. He might still be Superboy. You know, he looks like a superhero, but he's still a boy. And so, get some input. Again, get some training. How do I make a wise decision about who to team up with in a relationship? Get good input. Some people, they want a job or a change in their life so bad that they make poor choices in their 20s. And so in our 20s, we need wisdom. Look at Proverbs 19, verse 2. It says, Desire without knowledge is not good. Okay, zeal without knowledge, desire without knowledge is not good. And whoever makes haste with his feet misses his way. So we're rushing around. We have to be careful. We really, really want some things. We have to be careful that we don't make these flash decisions that could be costly. Now the 20s, because they're such an exciting time of life, they tend to have, the 20-something crowd tends to have a lot of energy, a lot of ambition, a lot of desire. But just remember, whatever you do, you need wisdom. You need wisdom to move forward. This idea is saying zeal without knowledge. The word knowledge here, it it's usually means gathering information that lets you see from God's perspective. Getting 
getting God's angle on life. And so there's a lot to learn. So dig into the knowledge that we find in the Bible. In your 20s, dig into the Bible. Third thing, why to train in our 20s, is because Scripture seems to indicate that this is the training years. Now, this is not... Every person doesn't fall into this, but there seems to be a pattern that the 20s were used for training. Joseph, key leader, he sees a vision at the age of 17 about the future of what he would be doing. And he's got some, um, he has a process of, of humility that he's about to walk through before he's able to, to live out the vision of his life. But he starts telling people about the vision and they're, they're a little bit offended. His brothers are offended because he, he kind of rubs in their face that he's going to be leader over them. So, But he gets the vision at 17. Now, he's 30 years old when it comes to pass. Basically, during his 20s, he was a slave. He was the manager of an estate. Then he's sent to an Egyptian prison. He's unjustly accused. He's in prison. And in that experience in prison, he learns humility. God humbles him. And he becomes the administrator in prison. Then at age 30, he appears before Pharaoh and he becomes the vice regent of the whole land. And God uses him really to help deliver um, and save God's people. Now, there was a process. He trained, basically. God trained him in his early years. Those, those 20s for him were training years. Humility, administration, leadership learning to depend on God, not given to, to fear, but really trust the Lord. He took the, res- the key responsibility when he was 30. Though. Now David, another character. David is this, he has brothers. He's, he's a young man. He's, he's a shepherd. Um, and his older brothers are serving in the king's army. And, and the king of Israel, Saul, the first king, he is at war with the Philistines. And the Philistines have a massive army Led by this, and they have this giant warrior named Goliath. And you may have read, you know, you've heard the story probably of David and Goliath. But Goliath was this giant man. We're told that he's nine feet tall, and he defied the armies of God. And he would, he would, he would say these taunting things. And what did the Israelites do? They were afraid. They look at his size, they listen to his words, and they're like, "I'm not going out there to fight this guy." Now David, he's this young shepherd, maybe 16 years old, and he volunteers to fight against Goliath. He volunteers. He, he's like, he shows up one day to check on his brothers. His father sends him to see how his brothers are doing on the front lines. And, and he gets there and he hears the taunting of this giant from the army that's opposing God's people. And he's like, who's going to stop this guy? And everyone's like, none of us. He says, but the army said, but the man that will oppose and take this guy down He's going to have a life that's set for him because the king has made all these promises that if anyone will step and fight this battle, then they'll be taken care of. And David's like, who's going to go? And everyone's like, not me, not me. David steps forward. And the king looks at this this young man, teenager, and he's like, who do you think you are? What what makes you think you're going to be able to do anything? And, And David says, you know, I'm a shepherd. And sometimes when I'm out, Watching over my father's flock, he said, there's been times where a lion and a bear has come and snatched away one of the sheep. He said, I've rescued those sheep for my father. I've taken them from the paw 
the mouth of the lion and the bear. I've struck those animals in the mouth. And it's like, I'm your, I'm your guy. And God protected him. God used him, and he basically, with a sling and stone, he defeats this giant. He eventually becomes the leader of the country. He's the next king. And basically, at 30, he becomes the king, okay, at age 30. But again, it was prophesied that he would be the king at age 23. And so throughout his 20s, he's training. God is using his 20s as his training years. Jesus, at, at, at age 12, he is in the temple talking with the leading theologians. And Jesus' parents lose track of him. Jesus says, hey, didn't you know I had to be in my father's house? And he's, he's interacting with the religious leaders, and, and he's impressing them because of the things that he's saying. When he was 30 years old, he steps into his public ministry. He begins his public ministry. But there's all of these years of training that are going on in his life. Now, there are some exceptions when it comes to leaders who are raised up. There are some people who've, who've led earlier. Every now and then, God raises up an exceptional leader. Uh, but most people, we find, they train in their 20s. So if you're in your 20s, then I want to encourage you, train now. Train now. Don't delay waiting for the perfect conditions and timing. Don't think, oh, when these things come together, because remember, life will become more and more complex through the years. So now's the time to start taking training seriously. In our culture, we're tempted to do this. We're tempted to play now and be responsible later in our 20s. 20s is kind of the, the teen, 20s now in our culture is like the teenage years, maybe 30, 40, 50 years ago, right? Or maybe even not, not that long ago. But the 20s is kind of seen as time to play still. You grow up in your 30s. You have to be careful with that thinking. Another cultural thought is this, put career over the kingdom. Put your career over the kingdom, thinking, you know, I should solely in my 20s be focused on building my career as soon as possible. And so we're tempted to build life and choices around our career. But if we don't consider our training, our location, that may cost us greatly in the years to come. So don't get caught comparing your life and where you're at in life to other people in their 20s. Don't worry about being behind the culture or behind others. You need to begin your career. You need to begin working. But keep training in godliness and wisdom. Also, we're tempted to just put off training and think, I'll, I'll train when I... When I settle down, when I find my dream job, when I find the right people, when I find the right place, we, we have a list of things, the perfect conditions. But again, these are all just costly traps that our culture really sells to 20-somethings. Now, people who train in their 20s, they stand out from the culture. You can almost spot a 20-something who is training seriously because they just they stick out. And the word that I think describes this bunch is the word hungry. If you're training in your 20s and you need to develop an appetite. You need to be hungry. Training requires this, that type of a hungry approach to learning and really even committing myself to a group and to a culture that has a training plan. I want to show you a, a familiar clip of mine and probably many of you have seen this movie. It's the movie Karate Kid. And so this may be a flashback for you where you have this young guy who wants to learn karate in order to defend himself from being bullied. And so he finds a trainer, someone to train him. He finds Mr. Miyagi, and Mr. Miyagi has a plan for his training that is quite unusual. So let's take a look, okay?
Now, he, he's training him in the, the ancient arts here, right? So he uses wax on, wax off. And Daniel, the student, he's, he's frustrated. This whole issue, and if you watch this movie, you see the sequence of his frustration building and building. I'm going to show you another clip in a few minutes. But this whole issue of being hungry is critical. You have to be hungry for training. And you're going to be tested in your training by your coach, by the people that are around you, by God. He, he wants to see just how hungry we really are to learn. Now, this, this really illustrates the danger. Here's the danger in the middle of your listening guide. The danger is to fail to learn the basics. And so you never build success. You can't really build in your 30s if you don't learn the basics beforehand. Look at the first chapter of Proverbs, chapter 1. Now, Proverbs 1 through 9 really lay out instructions, I think, on how to develop as a younger person. Proverbs chapter 1 through chapter 9. But look at verse 20 of chapter 1. I'm going to read through verse 27. Wisdom here is, is speaking to the young people. Okay? So wisdom it takes on a person. Wisdom's personified here. It says, Wisdom cries aloud in the street. In the markets, she raises her voice. At the head of the noisy streets, she cries out. At the entrance of the city gates, she speaks. And here's what wisdom says. How long, O simple ones, will you love being simple? How long will scoffers delight in their scoffing and fools hate knowledge? If you turn at my reproof, behold, I will pour out my spirit to you. I will make my words known to you. Because I have called you and you refuse to listen, have stretched out your hand and no one has heeded, or have stretched out my hand and no one has heeded. Basically, wisdom saying, look, I'm offering to, to help you grow up. I'm offering to give you some truth and wisdom. Because I've done all these things and no one has heeded, because you have ignored all my counsel and would have none of my reproof, I also will laugh at your calamity. I will mock when terror strikes you. When terror strikes you like a storm and your calamity comes like a whirlwind, when distress and anguish come upon you. This is quite a sobering passage. You can keep reading. Wisdom's trying to get our attention in our early years when we're young. When things in life are quite simple and we, when we might be described as pretty simple because life is not yet that complex. Now God's wisdom is, is calling out to us to take hold of her. To learn from her. And we're tempted to just pass on by. And so this is a sobering passage because if you want to build success in life, he's saying, look, you can't do that apart. Wisdom saying, you can't do that apart from me. You ignored me, and so calamity comes and just wipes you out. Now let's really wrap this up. To get training, here's what you're going to need. To get training, if I'm in my 20s, I'm going to need this. I'm going to need the right attitude, number one. I'm going to need the right attitude. Here's the list. Attitude, advisors, aggressiveness, availability, application, and assisting. Those are things I'm going to need in my 20s. But the attitude, look at Proverbs 11.2. talks about our eagerness, eagerness to listen and respond. We have to come hungry and ready to learn. Coaches, they're going to encourage us, but they're also going to correct us. So we need to have the right attitude when they correct us. Look at this, Proverbs 11.2, about pride. When pride comes, then comes disgrace. But with the humble is wisdom. If people that are trying to train you sense, man, he or she is really bowing their neck, they're being difficult, 
they're really dragging their feet. They're not trainable. They're not teachable. They're not coachable. Then as my dad would often say to me, Josh, you need an attitude adjustment. And oftentimes I needed that from him because I, I, I was, at points, I wasn't really in the right place to learn. And so we have to have the right attitudes. Also, you need this. You need advisors. You need advisors. Now, there are plenty of people who are willing to give you advice. But more than that, you need wise people. Proverbs 15.22 says, Without counsel, plans fail, but with many advisors, they succeed. Now, I often encourage people to find advisors who know you well, who can get to know you and know you well. Find an advisor, some mentors who know you well. And then also, you need an advisor or some advisors who know the field that you're trying to get input into. They know the field well. So they know you well, they know the field well, and then they have a living example. You find those three things, you've got some good advisors. The only caution here is that you don't have too many advisors that you're polling people until you find somebody somewhere who will agree with what you've already decided in your heart that you want to do. You have to be careful with this. I did that. I, I wanted a mortgage really bad. I wanted a house really bad. And so I started polling people. And some of my advisors gave me some advice and didn't line up with what I was wanting. My desire was raging for this purchase. And then I finally found somebody who, as I presented my, my options to, it, it made sense to them. And so I kind of gravitated towards their advice. The Lord convicted me of that. He convicted me later that I had really um, selfishly made that decision. And uh, he dealt with me on that. I had to own that before the Lord. And I went back to some of those people that I got input from and, and just apologized for the way that I was bowing my neck and the way that I was... Because I, I would ask for advice and then I would question what they'd say quite a bit. And so we have to watch this whole area when it comes to advisors. Another thing is we need aggressiveness. You need to be taking initiative because people are busy. You need aggressiveness. The people that you're trying to get input from, the people you're trying to get training from, are busy, and so you're going to have to be an aggressive learner. Proverbs 19.20, listen to advice and accept instruction that you may gain wisdom in the future. Whenever I meet with a mentor, I try to think through three questions. I want to come to that meeting with three questions. And the, they change, but I try to at least come. If I'm going to ask someone for time, I want to make sure that I'm not wasting their time. So I come with three questions at least. I jot them down ahead of time because I want them to know, wow, he's serious about learning. I thought ahead of time what I need. So I would encourage you, get aggressive in your learning approach. Closely connected is this issue of availability. You have to get into your mentor's ministry. Proverbs 13.20 says, walk with the wise, or whoever walks with the wise becomes wise. But the companion of fools will suffer harm. Don't try to persuade the wise person to walk with you. Look at what the verse says. Walk with the wise and you will go grow wise. Don't, don't try to get them on your schedule. Because, again, they're already very busy. Don't try to persuade them to get on your turf, get in your, in your planner. Get, get, get on their schedule. And even get involved in their world. Put the sacrifice on yourself. Now, if you get around fools, fasten your seatbelt. If you're making yourself available to foolish people, fasten your seatbelt because it's going to be a bumpy, bumpy ride in the future. Also, you need a pattern of application. Application. Not just learning stuff, not just taking an inventory because 
You have to see yourself as a person who's getting input and then applying. You're trying things out. So you take what you get and you do something with it. Don't just take a sociological survey. What do you think I should do? 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 We can start doing this over and over. We'll take a giant survey and then we don't do anything. But get after it and apply. And then last, another principle in training is this. Assist. Assist. Help out. Help out those who are helping you. Galatians 6.6. 6. You can check that out. Or Philippians 2.22. Paul, he speaks of Timothy and he says, Timothy is someone who got involved in the work and he really helped move things forward. And so, again, assist in your, in your 20s. Now again, some of these steps, some of these six things may not make sense right now. Let's go back to Daniel in Karate Kid. We're going to watch what happens. He's, he's, he's sore. He's been doing all sorts of things learning karate. He's been waxing cars. He's been painting fences. He's been sanding decks. And he's frustrated at this point. So let's, let's see what comes of all of this.
now all of a sudden, everything came into focus. Now, paint the fence and wax the car for us and for you in your 20s or in your training years. That's, you know, get up on time, get to work. That's work for the difficult employee employer. Work for the supervisor, the boss, but you're just, it's a grind every day. But you, you're learning through these years. You're learning how to be a good follower one day. 30s, 40s, you may be having a staff that you're leading. And there's all sorts of things that you don't typically see in your 20s that are going to be put together in the years ahead. God's trying to put our lives together and train us. And so you're, it's just, it's, it's messy. doesn't always make a ton of sense what God is doing. So you're going to need these different things. Also, you need to set a priority on a training location, not on a job location. I've heard this advice since I was in my early 20s. This is so important. Setting a training location. Sometimes we're like, I just live wherever the work is, live wherever the money is, live wherever the jobs are. You know? And if we let, you know, just careers dictate our lives, um, in the future, our spouse, our kids, our church involvement will all be impacted by many of those choices we make. Not that God can't work and God can't bless if you if you move around all your life, but the issue is your career will actually be much better for it to train and to, 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 to plant roots, to train with a group of people, to band with people, to make commitments. Finally, last thing here is make, make commitments rather than avoid making them. We often want to hold out until we, you know, get to our 30s, 40s, then we'll make commitments. I'd say make commitments. Don't just aimlessly make them, but make commitments to teams, to classes, to serving, to, to groups, to training. You prayerfully make them. Don't just aimlessly make them, but buy up your training years. I hope this has been helpful for you if you're, if you're in your 20s. For those of you who are in this stage of life, training is not going to come after you. You have to go after it. And so I hope what we've done this morning is awakened your hunger to train. I want to invite Cody and our worship team to come back up to the stage and ask our ushers to prepare to receive the offering. I invite you to take out the uh, connection card and finish filling that connection card out. It looks like this. If you can drop this in the offering basket when it comes around, it just lets us know that you were here. And on the back, you'll notice there's a few next steps. One is evaluate my commitments. If you're in your 20s, think through what are the commitments I'm making? How is that helping me train? Second, study through Proverbs 1 through 9. This is somewhat of a focused Bible study. Go through Proverbs 1 through 9 and note what God has said about training. What is God specifically teaching you in in your current life training? I want to pray and uh, we'll continue. Father, thank you for this time that we've been able to look at your word together. And I thank you for the for those that are in their 20s and they're in their training years. And Lord, for some that starts earlier and some it, it does go a little longer, but Lord, I pray that, that you would use this stage of life to grow us, Lord, to establish us, to help us to have a foundation that will support a godly life for decades to come. 
I pray Your blessing, Lord, and Your favor over the 20-somethings of our church. I pray that You would work in their lives, that You would shape their lives, that You'd provide the right people who could give wise input into their lives. And Lord, I pray for our 20s crowd to be a hungry bunch, Lord, that they would just be buying up opportunities and, and, and just a, having more and more of a growing hunger to learn and to grow. Keep them humble, Lord. Help them to be more and more teachable, Lord. Help them to be correctable, Lord. And Lord, if it's if it's that there are some that are finishing this stage and, and they feel like there's more work to be done, Lord, I pray that you'd motivate them to keep training, to keep asking more questions, Lord, to get good input and good advice. Lord, we pray for them. We just ask you to bless them. Lord, help us to be a church that would come alongside those that are training and really play a role in that, be a part of that. Show us, God, the role you want us to play, Lord, and even prepare us, Lord, for what you have us doing right here and now at whatever stage we're in. Bless the offering we're about to receive. Would you use it, God, to further your kingdom and help us more accomplish your purposes? It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.